Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Georgina. Say Bob. Bob. No, say Bobarina. Bobarina. Oh, it's Georgina and Bob. Because they couldn't couldn't decide the gender. Oh, that's nice. Peyton has a stuffy called Bobarina. And it's from her one of her very best friends, Trin. So Trin. And we have matching. Trin, if you're listening. Hey girl. You wanna say hi to her? Wait, say it again. Hello, bestie. <laughs> okay. I had a sneeze there. <clears throat> a series of unfortunate events. Peyton keeps falling asleep, so we're not really getting very much reading in. Oh. Okay, chapter oh. two. Do you want me to wait, try and wake you up early? To, hey, do you want me to wake you up with reading like I used to? Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter two. This is the read. Oh, look, you didn't see the house. This is what the house that they're living in with their aunt. I know what it looks like. Okay. This is the radiator, Aunt Josephine it's right said. Ocean. And it looks like it's like gonna fall um, off. Yep. Oh my gosh. She said, pointing to a ra- pointing to a radiator with a pale, skinny finger. Please don't ever touch it. You might find yourself very cold in here in my and home. There's no electricity because she's scared that everything. Oh my gosh. I never turn on the radiator because I'm frightened that it might explode, so it often gets chilly in the evenings. Violet and Klaus looked at looked at once another brief at uh, one another briefly. And then when they opened and, the door. It, she said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't touch! Don't touch! Don't!" Well, before they knocked, she's like, "No, no, 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 no! You might get a splinter." Oh, jeez. You might find yourself very cold in my home. I never turn on the radiator because I'm frightened and concerned that it might explode. So it often gets chilly in the evening. Violet and Klaus looked at one another briefly, and Sunny looked at both of them. Aunt Josephine was giving them a tour of their new home, and so far appeared to be afraid of everything in it. From the welcome mat, which Aunt Josephine explained could give someone to give someone to trip and break their neck, to the sofa in the living room, which she said could fall over at any time and crush them flat. Oh my gosh, if you can hear Buddy snoring, that's so cute. This is the telephone, Aunt Josephine said, gesturing to the telephone. It should only be used for emergencies because there is danger in electrocution. Actually, Klaus said, I've got quite a bit of electricity. I'm pretty sure that the telephone's perfectly safe. Oh, I've read a lot about electricity. Yeah, the telephone's not hooked to the electric. That's why when the electric goes out, you can still talk on the phone. Aunt Josephine's hand fluttered to her white hair as if something had jumped to her head. You can't believe everything you read, she pointed out. I've built a telephone from scratch, Violet said. If you'd like, I can take the telephone apart and show you how it works. That might make you feel better. I don't think so, Aunt Josephine said, frowning. Delmo, Sunny offered, which probably meant something along the lines of, If you wish, I'll bite the telephone to show you that it's harmless. Delmo, Aunt Josephine asked, bending over to pick up a piece of lint in front of the faded flowery carpet. What do you mean by Delmo? 
I consider myself an expert on the English language, and I have no idea what the oh, word yeah. Delmo and means. Does, and she never stutters, or she never spells wrong. Oh. Is she speaking some other language? Sunny doesn't speak fluently yet, I'm afraid, Klaus said, picking up his little sister. Yeah, just baby just talk, baby. mostly. Yeah. Grun, Sunny shrieked, which means something like, I'll object to you calling it baby talk. Well, I will have to teach her to properly talk English, Aunt Josephine said stiffly. I'm sure you all need some brushing up in your grammar, actually. Grammar is the greatest joy in life, don't you find? Uh, that's, that's like... Yeah. The, uh, that's on my bucket list. Yeah. Um, it's to get rid of math and grammar in school. Oh, Cool. The three siblings looked at one another, and Violet was more likely to say that inventing things was the greatest joy in life. Klaus thought reading was, and Sunny thought, of course, took no greater pleasure than biting things. The Baudelaire's thought of grammar, all those rules about how to write and speak an English language, the way that they thought of banana bread, fine, but nothing to make a fuss about. Still, it seemed rude to contradict Aunt Josephine. Yes. Violet said finally. We've, we've always loved grammar. Aunt Josephine nodded and gave the Baudelaire's a small smile. Well, I'll show you to your room and continue the rest of the tour after dinner. When you open this door, just don't push on the wood here. Never, ever use the doorknob. I'm always afraid that it will shatter into a million pieces and one of them will hit me in the eye. The Baudelaire's were beginning to think that they would not be allowed to touch a single object in the whole house, but they smiled at Aunt Josephine and pushed on the wood and opened the door to reveal a large, well-lit room with a blank with blank white walls and plain blue carpet on the floor. Inside were two good-sized beds and one good-sized crib, obviously for Sunny, each covered in a plain blue spread, and at the front of each bed was a large trunk for storing things. At the other end of the room was a small oh, was a large closet for everyone's clothes, a small window for looking out, and a medium-sized pile of tin cans for no apparent purpose. Uh, I'm sorry that all three of you have to share a room, Aunt Josephine said, but this house isn't very big. I tried to provide you with everything that you would need, and I do hope you'll be comfortable. Oh, I'm sure we will, Violet said, carrying her suitcase into the room. Thank you very much, Aunt Josephine. In each of your trunks, Aunt Josephine said, there is a present. Presents? The Baudelaire had not received presents for a long, long time. Smiling, Aunt Josephine walked to the first trunk and opened it. For Violet, she said, there is a lovely new doll with plenty of outfits for it to wear. <laughs> she got Violet a doll. Um, Aunt Josephine reached inside and pulled out a plastic doll with a tiny mouth and wide staring eyes isn't she adorable her name is pretty penny oh thank you violet said at 14 years old was too busy for dolls but never particularly liked dolls anyway forcing a smile on her face she took pretty penny from aunt josephine and patted it on its little plastic head as for klaus aunt josephine said there is a model train set she opened the second trunk and pulled out a tiny train car you can set up the tracks in an empty corner of the room. What fun, Klaus said, trying to look excited. Klaus never liked train models, as they were a lot of work to put together, and when you were done, you had, you had, all you had was something that went around in endless circles. 
And as for little Sonny, said Aunt Josephine, reaching for the smallest trunk, which sat at the foot of the crib, here is a rattle. See, Sonny, it makes a little noise. Sonny smiled at Aunt Josephine, showing all of her short, four sharp teeth. But her older siblings knew that Sonny despised rattles and the irritating sound that they make when you shook them. Sunny had been given a rattle when she was very small, and it was the only thing she was not sorry to lose in the enormous fire that had destroyed the Baudelaire home. It is so generous of you, Violet said, to give us all of these things. She was too polite to add that they weren't things that they particularly liked. Well, I am very happy to have you here, Aunt Josephine said. I love grammar so much. I'm excited to be able to share my love of grammar with three nice children like yourselves. Well, I'll give you a few minutes to settle in, and then we'll have some dinner. See you soon, Aunt Josephine Klaus said. What are those cans for? Those cans? For burglars, naturally, Aunt Josephine said, patting the bun on top of her head. You must be as frightened of burglars as I am. So every night, simply place these right by the door so that when burglars come in, they will trip over the cans and you will wake up. But what will we do then when we're awake in the room with angry burglars, Violet said. I would prefer to be to sleep through the burglar, burglary. Aunt Josephine's, uh, Josephine's eyes widened with fear. Angry burglars, she repeated. Angry, angry burglars? What are you talking about, angry burglars? Are you trying to make me even more frightened than I already am? Of course not, Violet shuddered, not pointing out that Aunt Josephine was the only one who had brought up the subject. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to frighten you. Well, we'll say no more about it, Aunt Josephine said, looking around nervously at the tin cans as if a burglar were tripping on them that very minute. I'll see you for dinner at the, in a few minutes. At their, their new guardian shut the door and the Baudelaire orphans listened for her footsteps passing down the hallway before they spoke. Sunny can have pretty penny, Violet said, holding the doll to her sister. The plastic is hard enough for chewing, I think. And you can have my model train, Violet, Klaus said. Maybe you can take it apart and use the engines to create something. But the le but the leaves but that leaves you with a rattle, Violet said. That doesn't seem fair. Shoo, Sunny shrieked, which probably means something along the lines of it's been a long time since anything in our lives have felt fair. The Baudelaires looked at one another with four bitter smiles. Sunny was right. It wasn't fair that their parents had been taken away from them. It wasn't fair that the evil and revolting Count Olaf was pursuing them wherever they went, caring for nothing but their fortune. It wasn't fair that by the time they moved from relative to relative with terrible things happening at each of their new homes as if the Baudelaires were riding on some horrible bus that stopped at stations of unfairness and misery. And, of course, it certainly wasn't fair that Klaus only had a rattle to play with in his new home. Aunt Josephine obviously worked very hard to prepare for us, Violet said sadly. She seems to be a good-hearted person. We shouldn't complain, even to ourselves. You're right, Klaus said, picking up his rattle and giving it a half-hearted little shake. We shouldn't complain. Twee, Sunny shrieked, which probably meant something like, Both of you are right, we shouldn't complain. Klaus walked over to the window and looked out at the darkening landscape. The sun was beginning to set over the inky depths of the lake, Lake Lacrimose, and a cold evening wind was beginning to blow. Even from the other side of the glass, Klaus could feel a small chill. I want to complain anyways, he said. Soup's on. Aunt Josephine called from the kitchen. Please come to dinner. 
Violet put on her put her hand on Klaus's shoulder and gave it a little squeeze of comfort. And without another word, the three Baudelaire's headed back down the hallway into the dining room. Aunt Josephine had set a table for four, providing a large cushion for Sunny and another pile of tins for the corner of the room. Tin cans, just in case burglars try to steal their dinner. Normally, of course, Josephine said, soups on an idiomatic expression that has nothing to do with soup. It simply means that dinner's ready. In this case, however, I've actually made soup. Oh, good, Violet said. There's nothing like hot soup on a chilly evening. Actually, it's not hot soup, Aunt Josephine said. I never cook anything hot because I'm afraid of turning the stove on. It might burst into flames. I've made a chilled cucumber soup for dinner. The Baudelaire's looked at one another and tried to hide their dismay. As you probably know, chilled cucumber soup is a delicacy that is best enjoyed on a very hot day. I myself once enjoyed it in Egypt while visiting a friend of mine who works as a snake charmer. When it was well-prepared, chilled cucumber soup has a delicious minty taste, cool and refreshing as if you're drinking something as well as eating it. But on a cold draft, on a cold day in a drafty room, chilled cucumber soup is about as welcoming as a swarm of wasps at a bat, at a bat mitzvah. In dead silence, the three children sat down at the table with their Aunt Josephine and did not did their best not to but did their best to force down the cold, slimy concoction. The only sound was of Sunny's four teeth chattering at her soup spoon as she eat her frigid, ate her frigid dinner. As I'm sure you know, when no one is speaking at the dinner table, the meal seems to take hours, so it felt so much later when Aunt Josephine broke the silence. My dear husband and I never had children, she said, because we were afraid to. But I do want you to know that I'm very happy that you're here. I'm often very lonely up on this hill by myself. And when Mr. Pope wrote me about your troubles, I didn't want you to be lonely as I was when I lost, when I lost dear Ike. Was Ike your husband? Violet asked. Aunt Josephine smiled, but she didn't look at Violet as if she were talking more to herself than the Baudelaire's. Yes, she said in a faraway voice. He was my husband, but he was much more than that. He was my best friend, my partner in grammar, and the only person I knew who could whistle with crackers in his mouth. Oh, our mother could do that, Klaus said, smiling. Her specialty was Mozart's 14th symphony. Ike's was Beethoven's fourth quartet, Aunt Josephine said. Apparently, it's a family characteristic. I'm sorry we never got to meet him, Violet said. He sounds wonderful. He was wonderful, Aunt Josephine said, stirring her soup and blowing on it, even though it was ice cold. It was so sad when he died. I felt like I'd lost the two most special things in my life. Two, Violet said. What do you mean? I lost Ike, Josephine said, and I lost Lake Lacrimose. I mean, I didn't really lose it, of course. It's still down in the valley, but I grew up on its shores. I used to swim in it every day. I knew which beaches were sandy and which were rocky. I knew all the islands in the middle as if the waters and all the caves along the sides of the shore. Lake Lake Lacrimose felt like a friend to me, but when it took poor Ike away from me, I was too afraid to go near it anymore. I stopped swimming in it. I never went to the beach again. I even pulled away all of my I even pulled away all of my books about about it. The only way I can bear to look at it is from the wide window in the library. Library? Klaus asked, brightening. You have a library? Of course, Aunt Josephine said. Where else could I keep all of my books on grammar? If you've all finished with your soup, I'll show you to the library. 
I couldn't eat another bite, said, said Violet truthfully. Erm, Sonny shrieked in agreement. No, no, Sonny Aunt Josephine. Erm is not grammatically correct. You mean to say I have also finished my supper. Erm, Sonny insisted. My goodness, you do need grammar lessons, Aunt Josephine said. All the more reason to go to the library. Come, children. Leaving behind their half-full soup bowls, the Baudelaire's followed Aunt Josephine down the hallway, taking care not too much of any doorknobs they passed. Oh, taking care not to touch any doorknobs they passed. At the end of the hallway, let's see here. At the end of the hallway, Aunt Josephine stopped at an ordinary-looking door, but when the children stepped through the door, they arrived into a room that was anything but ordinary. The library was neither square nor rectangular, like most rooms, but curved in the shape of an oval. One wall had o- one of the oval walls was devoted to books, rows and rows and rows of them, and every single one of them was about grammar. There was also an encyclopedia, encyclopedia of nouns placed in a series of wooden bookshelves, curved to fit the wall. There were very thick books on history of verbs, lined up in metal bookshelves that were polished to a bright shine, and there were cabinets made of glass with a eject adjective manuals placed inside as if they were for sale in a store in somebody's house in the middle of the room were some comfortable looking chairs which in its own footstall foot with its own footstool so one could stretch out one's legs while reading but it was like the other but it was the other wall of the oval at the far end of the room that drew the children's attention from floor to ceiling the wall was a window, just one enormous curved pane of glass, and beyond the glass was a spectacular view of Lake Lacrimose. When the children stepped back to take a closer look, they felt as if they were flying high above the dark lake instead of merely looking at it. It is the only way I can stand to look at the lake, and Josephine said in a quiet voice from far away. If I get much closer, I remember my last picnic on the beach with my darling Ike. I warned him to wait an hour after after eating before he went into the lake, but he was he only waited 45 minutes. He thought that that was enough. Did he get cramps, Klaus asked. That's what's supposed to happen if you don't wait an hour before you swim. That's one reason, Aunt Josephine said, but Lake Lacrimose, there's another one. If you don't wait an hour after eating... Lacrimose leeches will smell food on you and attack. Leeches, Violet asked. Leeches, Klaus explained, are a bit like worms. They are blind and have live, and and live in bodies of water in order to feed, but they attach themselves to you and suck your blood. Violet shuddered. How horrible! Swah, Sunny shrieked, which probably meant something like, "Why in the world would you go swimming in a lake full of leeches?" Lake lacrimose leeches, Aunt Josephine said, are quite different than regular leeches. They each have six rows of very sharp teeth and one with very sh- and one very sharp nose. They can smell even the tiniest bit of food from far, far away. The lake lacrimose leeches are usually quite harmless, preying on only small fish. But if they smell food on a human, they will swarm you and... Tears came to Aunt Josephine's eyes. And she took out a pale pink handkerchief and dabbed them away. I apologize, children. It's not grammarly correct to end a sentence with the word and, but I get so upset when I think about it that I cannot talk about his death. We're sorry we brought it up, Klaus said quickly. We don't mean to upset you. That's right, Aunt Josephine said, blowing her nose. It's just 
that I prefer to think of Ike in other ways. Ike always loved the sunshine, and I like to imagine that's where he is now, as it's as sunny as it can be. Of course, nobody knows what happened after you die, but it's always nice to think of my husband someplace very hot, don't you think? Yes, I do, Violet said. It is very nice, she swallowed. She wanted to say something else to Aunt Josephine, but when you have only known somebody for a few hours, it's difficult to know what they would like to hear. Aunt Josephine, she said timidly, have you thought about moving someplace else, perhaps? If you live somewhere far from Lake Lacrimose, you might feel better. We'd go with you, Klaus piped up. Oh, I could never sell this home, Aunt Josephine said. I'm terrified of realtors. The three Baudelaire youngsters took one another surreptitiously, a word which means a while and Aunt Josephine wasn't looking. None of them had ever heard of a person who was frightened of realtors. There are two kinds of fears, rational and irrational, or simple terms, fears that make sense and fears that don't. For instance, the Baudelaire orphans have a fear of Count Olaf, which makes perfect sense because he is an evil man who wants to destroy them. But if they were afraid of lemon meringue pie, this would be an irrational fear because lemon meringue pie is delicious and it never would harm a soul. Being afraid of a monster under the bed is perfectly rational because there may be, in fact, a monster under your bed at any time ready to eat you up. But a fear of realtors is an irrational fear. Realtors, as I'm sure you know, are the people who assist in all of the buying and selling of houses. Besides, occasionally wearing an ugly yellow coat, the worst realtor, all the worst the realtor can do is show you a house that you find ugly, and so it is completely irrational to be terrified of them. As Violet, Klaus, and Sunny looked down at the dark lake and thought about their new lives with Aunt Josephine, they experienced a fear themselves, and even a worldwide expert on fear would have a difficulty saying whether or not this was rational fear or irrational. The, the Baudelaire's feared that misfortune would soon befall them. On one hand, this was an irrational fear because Aunt Josephine seemed like a good person, and Count Olaf was nowhere to be seen. But, on the other hand, the Baudelaire's had experienced so many terrible things that it seemed rational to think that another catastrophe was just around the corner. And Peyton did just so one chapter it is. Peyton, are you asleep? Are you asleep? Yep, taking that as a yes. <laughs>